and welcome to the Raven Hill Roundup, the Ulster Rugby Fan Podcast with your hosts Jamie and Lewis. So let's get right into this week's episode. Yes, and after brief absence of a week, we're back once again. Ulster played Cardiff this week in a resounding win that secured a better spot going in the final rounds of the league. Ulster winning 42-20. So we're going to get stuck straight into the game. You have me and Lewis as always today. We're also going to talk about what happened around the ground and the Six Nations will also do a wee bit of an injury update as I'm sure some of you have seen or most of you have seen. Uh, there has been a few Ulster players getting pretty badly hurt so we'll get into that and talk about how it's going to impact the season as well. So Lewis, big win for Ulster last week. What were your thoughts on the match? Yes, Jimmy, massive win for Ulster and um, a huge way to end this block of games. Another really impressive performance following the Sharks win the week before. And yeah, they just got off to a really good start uh, with obviously Moore scoring in the very first minute. Cardiff, for me, were probably particularly poor in a number of areas. They got absolutely dominated up front. Um. And, you know, when Ulster are able to turn over Cardiff scrum on their own ball, it just shows how much Ulster are winning the upfront battle, especially when you see how many changes they actually made from that Cardiff game. I mean, I don't think it was the team either of us were expecting, Jimmy. We did expect a few to come back in. However, yeah, I think I was quite shocked at the amount of changes going into this game. And there was a number of players I was really impressed with. Nathan Doak obviously getting man of the match. He was super. Got a try, which he thoroughly deserved. Obviously got all of his kicks as well. Billy Burns as well. Both of us being critical of Burns at times on this podcast. And he was fabulous. Absolutely super. Controlled the game really well. Brought the ball to the line constantly. And put Cardiff under massive, massive pressure. And as well, in terms of the forwards, Jeff Tamangalan has always good form, put in some really good scrums. Um, we had a bit of a chat about Marcus Ray's absence as well last week, and he came back with a bang. He was absolutely everywhere on the field, and you know, just doing his usual, showing why he was in the team so much last year. And um, yeah, it was great to see him back in the back row. It was completely new back row. And for me, it was actually great to see Ulster's back row shining without Vermeulen. Just showing that they can do it against certain teams with a younger back row, less experienced, a bit less powerful. But it didn't seem it at all. You wouldn't have noticed. Um, in terms of other players I was impressed with, you have to mention Stockdale. It was absolutely brilliant to see him back in top form and hopefully the try which was just a reflection of some of his tries over the last few years hopefully that gives him full confidence going into the next few weeks which are going to be crucial for Ulster it was great to see him back playing his best rugby and hopefully it will help him in terms of trying to regain a spot in that international setup as well and Stuart Moore was the other one I 
wanted to mention. I thought he was brilliant, constantly causing Cardiff numerous problems. Uh, I think he made the most meters on the field, um, if I remember correctly, and obviously the try straight away just set Ulster off on the right tempo, and you know some of his offloads and his runs. Uh, yeah, just really impressed overall. I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I really thought that it was an impressive display by Ulster, especially attacking. You know, it's and like you were saying with the back row having it completely changed. I think it's a big asset to both the players and the coaching that you can go in with not necessarily your best team but still perform well. I think that that also gave them an opportunity to play out to the back which we've both been requesting for the whole season really is to see more back play and you know uh, we were talking before we started it was all but the last two tries were sort of down to the back play and getting the ball out wide and then using that space rather than the usual of Ulster which is digging deep and just push and use physical strength it was a really nice change of pace and you know it definitely worked out today it's one of the highest scoring games that Ulster have had this season Um and it's I think that that's down to that shift in the back row. I think you know it is such massive players for us that are in that back row, and they really work on driving the ball forward. So having that change allowed for new avenues to appear, and hopefully it carries on, and we you can mix in. You know you know that your backs can attack and they do it well. So now whenever the normal back row is back hopefully that's going to continue and you're going to see more of a a mix of attacks which will just strengthen the side really um, like you are saying about Stockdale's great to see a classic Stockdale try come back in um, you know it's a long time coming and it was great to see that's a lovely finish as well just this tap down before literally just before a tackle came in that would have threw him out of play it was prime Stockdale performance really I, I can't really fault him on many things I think whenever he got the ball he ran well and uh, he put in good tackles as well you know Doke as well, phenomenal game and it's an amazing position for Ulster the be in that will have two super nines that are constantly battling for that position and I think it's going to just keep on battling and battling and improving them so much like I don't think I've seen Doak put a foot wrong in this whole game his passing was on point his kicking was phenomenal made every conversion um, and just his general play was really good and you know you see it with Cooney as well Cooney's game stepped up because Doak's game stepped up and I think that them two just ebbing and flowing off of each other and really fighting for that position is, has improved Ulster as a whole. You know, the, the nine so central. And it was an essential part of this game with us using the backs more. Um, talking about more, we should talk about more. And another quick try for Murr, you know, really snappy and, and onto the beat of it really quick and Burns as well 
I thought he had a good game, you know, playing out and uh, we were sort of, I think he was getting a bit of critique uh past couple of weeks and maybe it's because there was more back play and you see more of them but I thought that he done well and, and got his try and then of course Stuart uh, coming on doing his usual thing now top try scorer for the season and solidly cementing it um, this week you know he's I think he's fast turning into one of Ulster's best players um, and then I'll also mention I'll also mention Jude Postlewaite and his play you know it's his first game for Ulster and he played really well he was confident his carries were amazing tackling good as well and I think I'm really excited for him you know what what he's gonna do uh, at Ulster this season and beyond because it was a really strong start and uh, hopefully he can build on that as, and you know I've, I've been bigging up Harry Sheridan since the Stormers game I think he played well whenever he came on as well uh, just the ferocity that he shows you know it's it's just untamed fire that he brings to the team and just gets stuck in the everyone I will critique Ulster however though because the tries they conceded I I'm kind of annoyed about it. I get it if it was the first one but whenever you watch the tries they are carbon copies of each other the three tries that uh, Cardiff scored are the same try over and over and we'll talk about them in depth in a bit but it just annoyed me that we didn't adapt and sort of read their plays because it was the exact same play right up to the to the score and it sort of just annoyed me a wee bit I think that they could have covered it better and uh, dealt with it a bit better you know coming into the third time of them doing it but apart from that I can't really fault Luster's display it, it was an important game to win and that's what they done yeah and Jamie just to touch on your earlier point of how much how how good it was to see Ulster use the backs a little bit more and I completely agree I was really impressed with that I thought it was unbelievable to see in the first four tries there wasn't one mall try from a line out that was involved at all and it finally showed a little bit of variety in Ulster's game um, in depth because we're actually seeing numerous tries being scored without the mall Obviously, Tom Stewart came on and changed that, used Ulster's strengths uh, to continue scoring and putting the pressure on Cardiff. But I just really enjoyed seeing the backs finally get a bit of space and use that space really well, keeping a hold of the ball and, you know, constantly causing Cardiff massive problems. Just a couple of questions for you as well, Jimmy. Um, We talked about how good it was for Ulster to have so many good back row players. what would you say Ulster's strongest back row is at the moment? For me, even though he's been out for a long time of the squad, I would probably say that Ulster's best back row would be Marcus Ray, Nick Timoney and Dwayne Vermeulen. Obviously you've got Jordy Murphy, Dave McCann and Harry Sheridan coming into things. So firstly, what would you say Ulster's best back row is? 
And secondly, if you're choosing at the moment in that last 16 game against Leinster, who are you starting at scrum half? Is it going to be John Cooney or is it going to be Nathan Doak? You're making me think. So you are. I don't like having to think. Um, old Bermulan is obviously in there. You know, he's he's my favourite Ulster player in uh, the season and he brings so much to that team experience and skill and I think that you know, I'm going to say I think you struggle without him but, you know, didn't necessarily struggle this game. Yeah, he's a guarantee, isn't he, in there? Yeah, yeah, um, I think on form Matty Ray gets in um, I think he's just one of them Ulster players, you know, he's not that he's a squad player, but he's one of them people that you expect to be in the team whenever he is playing well and and he's fit. I think that he would probably go in there for me. Um, and then uh, Nick Timoney, you know, he, he's been crucial this season uh, in both his carries and his tackles. And uh, I think he's that stuck on role that you can't change at the minute so it's I think that you you could swing it anyway sort of with the the third position on the back road whether it be you want someone young and fiery with Sheridan or you want someone that's amazing on a good day with Matty Ray but I think you're always going at least for Mullen and Timoney um I would say my third spot's still up for debate, but if going into that last sixteen, uh, if Matty Ray can play the way that he did on the weekend, I would choose him. And then to go on to the scrum half, I would personally say Cooney, just for the experience. I think that they're such similar levels of basic play actually like passing the ball out and uh you know uh, i would say the runs but i think that probably doak has a wee bit now just for the tries he scored on his runs um but i would go Cooney because you need the experience and you need someone who knows in the big games how to dictate and say this is the play i want to use and this is the way we're going to play i think that He'll he'll be crucial the the round of sixteen match and as he is you know as an Ulster player and whenever he's a fan favourite as well I don't think that people would like to see him so you know give the fans what they want yeah and the fact of the matter is Cooney's been there and done that really and Nathan Doak obviously still learning the trade and you know he's going to get the opportunity there's no doubt that. As long as both are fit, Nathan Doak will be that man on the bench. And Dan McFarland obviously not scared to give him game time, not scared to bring him on in the big games. And, you know, either way, I think, like you say, Cooney starting is probably the best outcome for Ulster, with Doak adding a lot of fire from the bench and probably causing Leinster or whoever it is. We have the Bulls, obviously, on the 25th, which will be a really tough game and a crucial game in the bid to try and catch the Stormers in second place. So I think, um, for me, either way, whoever's starting, 
you've got a really strong starter, but I think Nathan Doak will add a lot from the bench and, you know, will be able to cause some tired legs of the opposition problems. I think it'll come down to whoever starts in the Bulls game will start for the Leinster game. I think that's probably the way he'll run it. And you'll know a bit sooner than uh, most teams. But I do, I do agree with you, you know, even having Doak on the bench, that's amazing lift if you bring him on sort of probably about 55-60 minutes whenever uh, Leinster will start to sort of dip a wee bit in energy. Everyone will dip a wee bit in energy um, before a big final pickup towards the end and I think Doak's agility would be useful then and where I think actually starting the game getting settled into it I think you're better with Cooney actually starting it and then throwing Doke in obviously a lot of the big Ireland players still won't be available for that Bulls game obviously coming straight out of that England game this weekend but do you think the Bulls game will kind of be a tester going into the following week in terms of Dan McFarland will go with a very similar team that he'll want to go with in the Leinster game yeah I, I would say that you know apart from the Ireland players I think it'll be uh, it'll be the exact same uh, essentially you know it's at home you're not having the lose out on travel for it or anything like you're not going to South Africa where people might then get tired and it's a really good opportunity to cement it because say he does go for a wild card in it that he's thinking of starting he can see how he's gonna then play and do small adjustments if he needs on that lineup that he'll he'll stick with I think so now the overview is done let's get stuck into the tries first minute in a lovely bit of back play and Murr sneaks through the line and slams it down for a first minute try well what did you think about the try and uh, Murr's class seemingly breaking through everyone yeah, at the minute super super and like I said at the start uh, just the best possible start that is exactly how you need to start a game of rugby in terms of keeping possession really well and that's what Ulster did they went through the phases held onto the ball really well despite not actually making much ground early on um, and then obviously getting a little bit of space a great offload from James Hume just allows Murr the space to be able to run in and he has the pace to exploit it and run in for the first try and again it just shows how dangerous Ulster's backs can be when they get a bit of space and when they get front football yeah because especially the fast hands of it all I thought was really good and something that you hadn't seen um, because it comes out of the ruck and it's just two rapid fire passes that get them out and uh, it just leaves a gap because they're not expecting such fast pace from Ulster backs really and they're passing. Exactly and it's it's Ulster using their forwards in a different way that's just as effective rather than constantly winning the penalty and kicking straight to the mall. You know they're carrying really quickly and again another point on Nathan Doge is passing much quicker and much more uh, accurate this this week and 
that allowed Ulster's forwards to carry quickly, um, put Cardiff under pressure, squeeze the Cardiff defence in, and allow the backs a little bit more space to show their show their worth. Really, it yeah, took me what he was doing this week. Um, not saying he he doesn't know what he's doing, but I think you could see that he knew in his head where he was passing and where everyone was going to be. Uh, obviously, Cardiff responded quickly uh, with an Owen Lane try. Um, a good offload, but I think, as we've said previously, Ulster maybe a little bit, um, a little bit suspect defensively out wide. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's good play to get it out and all, and they do have good backs, but it's not a missed tackle, but a light tackle. You know, he, he's just gripping him around the body and no one's going down from gripping him around the body. It's something that you're told in first year. You know, you tackle the knees, you tackle the legs and he just didn't get down low enough and that allowed the offload to happen but no one's covering Lane on it. And that seemed to be sort of a, a suspect in the subsequent tries. Yeah, and that's not to take away from the Cardiff backs as well because Ray Lilo, what an amazing player he's been for Cardiff over the years. That was his 150th game, and despite Ulster's defence initially looking really strong, you know he managed to find that space, get the offload away, and cause Ulster the problems they had out wide. But Ulster knew how to reply the good back like that with one of the best backs in Irish history, um, Stockdale, doing his usual tricks. You know, we up and over kick and uh, getting it down just before getting tackled and uh, getting his first try. Yeah, his uh, first one. I his first try of uh, the season and what a try it was. Yeah, it was amazing and obviously just a moment of absolute solo brilliance from Stockdale. But that's not to take away from Stuart Moore's offload before because. What a brilliant offload to get it into Stockdale's hands out wide and give him the opportunity to execute the chip and chase really well. And obviously his first try in around two years. And I thought he played really well throughout the game. And like we said early on, it should give him a lot of confidence to try and rediscover his best form after a lot of lengthy injuries, which has clearly obviously cost him in terms of his international position has put his Ulster position up for grabs with the likes of Balakun, you know, Ethan McElroy, Rob Little, so many dangerous wingers that Ulster have, but this could be his chance to get Neil on that starting position for Ulster anyway, couldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of hard work. Um, we've talked about how good Rob Little has been, and we know how good Balakun is, and uh, Ethan McElroy... You know, he's been doing a solid job on that wing as well uh, this year. And it's a hard place to fight for. So do you think that this is the stepping stone then for Stockdale to pick his head up and sort of go, I am good, like, I can do this regularly? Or do you think that you might try and showboat off it a bit? Maybe yeah. and try more. No, I don't think so. I think I think this will be that kind of stepping stone. And I think Dan McFarland's always knew in his head that his two best wingers in this team are Balakun and Stockdale. 
and I think most Ulster fans would agree with that. And it was just a case of can Stockdale rediscover that best form? Because McFarland isn't afraid to pick on form. If Stockdale isn't playing well consistently and is constantly giving the ball away, he has been quite poor in the air in terms of taking high kicks early on in the season. And again, that was an area of his game which was much better against Cardiff. And, you know, if he can keep that form going, and obviously confidence is a key, key thing in that, in terms of realising, you know, he can, he still has that in him, and he can still cause defences serious, serious danger. And yeah, I think I think that'll nail him on for that wing spot, and hopefully we see Balakum back as well, coming into these really important games. Another person that's fighting on for a nailed on position is Nathan Doak getting another try, another sneaky try, I should say, um, to break down into the rock, sort of, I think it's about five metres out or thereabouts, and he sees the gap in Cardiff's defence and runs through like he has done so many times this season and gets another try for himself. Yeah, and... um I think it's really poor defensively from Cardiff in terms of you should always defend both sides of your of the opposition ruck. Um, that you know that's where you should be the tightest defensively to stop things like this happening, giving Ulster that free space to and Duke that free space to just be able to simply run in untouched. And but it was really good composure from Ulster to carry and hold on to the ball right on their five meter line and it's something that Ulster's been doing well for a few seasons now. And just really good awareness of space from him. And it's just one of the reasons why he deserved his man of the match in terms of his accurate passing, accurate kicking. Didn't miss a kick all night, I think, off the tee. I think. And um, No, he, he got all of his conversions, yeah. Yeah, and obviously getting the try, which was well-deserved. I mean, Dan McFarland didn't even bring Cooney off the bench because he wanted to give Duke that full 80-minute performance. And, you know, he showed it. He showed a full 80 minutes of really, really good play. Yeah, like we were saying in the in the breakdown of the game, um, I couldn't see one plan, Duke. And for that being one of his first 80-minute performances for Ulster this season, um, stellar job. Uh, I also want to credit uh, Jeff Tamangallon for the carry. That got it up the uh, the Rockford Dukes try. Oh yeah, uh, it was a massive carry. Yeah, um, a mad gain, and it. I I like to say, you know, it, it's the fire. It's he just has this like rough around the edges kind of thing to him, and he just shrugged off so many men, and I think it took three of them to finally get him down, or else he probably would have got himself a try. Yeah, and in terms of Dukes conversions as well, I mean. Anyone watching the game will know they were not easy conversions. There were there was one from the left hand touchline, and uh, I think it was actually the next try was from the right hand touchline, and or maybe a couple of tries after. But it just you know it just showed that he is improving his goal kicking because that's one thing that you can say hands on that Cooney is better at is goal kicking accuracy is far far better, and he's always been so accurate off the tee, which is why he's been named the slot machine by Ulster fans. So, you know, him improving that puts 
more pressure on Cooney and just improves both of them so much more. Yeah, because personally I would say that Duke's field kicks and sort of penalty kicks would be better than Cooney's. So I think it's uh, it's a big step for him to actually get the the accuracy of them down. Because we were sort of saying after the Stormers game, Duke was kicking further and better. And I think that now that I sort of pointed that out and that, I've seen out the last couple of games with Cooney. So I think Duke improving this adds another notch on his belt. The combat Cooney for the position. And then obviously, of course, Ulster did not take their foot off the gas. Uh, continued their scoring with another try from Billy Burns. What did you think of that one? It was great for him to squeeze through the gap. Um, so it's, it's passed out uh, from a failure to push through, basically, of the forwards. And Doke passes out to him. I, watching it again, I sort of thought probably should have passed it out, but he, he went himself and, and he got it down. And he managed to squeeze through the two uh, defenders. Which was probably better than one being there. I think having the two, they might have sort of hesitated a bit, and that's what's allowed him. But it was, it was a really clean, good try from Burns. And I thought the range of passing in this area of the game was really impressive as well, because you know it wasn't constantly short passes to the forwards. It wasn't constantly go wide where there's no space and get tackles. The range of passing was super. They went wide when they thought there was space. They kept it tight when they thought they could drive forward and make some ground. And, you know, that made a huge difference to Ulster coming forward and getting so close to the Cardiff line and putting them under pressure. And then, of course, Tom Stewart comes on and adds another try. They is tally for the season. And when you hear the name Tom Stewart, you straight away recognise it as... Oh, uh, he's got a mall try then, and of course he got a mall try. Uh, going in the usual Ulster play, and Stuart got his ninth try of the season on the 60th minute. What do you think about the try and going back the what Ulster good at? Yeah, and it is good to see because you know, even though they're going to the backs more and playing a bit more of a varied game. It doesn't mean you need to go away from what you're good at. And Ulster know they're good at it. They're the best in the league at it. And they know that it works. It works against smaller teams. It works against bigger teams. And Ulster have the power in their forwards to be able to execute it. So I think it was just good awareness for Ulster to say, well, just because we haven't used it all game doesn't mean we can't use it now. And... They did use them all a few times, I think, when Rob Herring was at the back. And it did obviously cause issues. It didn't lead to a try. But with that Cardiff defence being so tired, 60 minutes into the game, they couldn't hold out any longer. And Ulster showed their dominance. But it's a dominance that didn't last long. Another try for Cardiff. And I feel like we've already talked about it. Uh, Liam, once again, 62nd minute. Two minutes after Stuart, uh, play it out wide, and one not so strong tackle, allowing an offload onto the wing and straight through for a try. 
Yep, and like you say, Jimmy, just near enough an exact replica of the first try in terms of for Cardiff, in terms of the fact that they were able to get it wide so easily, and all it took was an offload and a good offload for that, but to put Owen Lane in for a second try, and it does give Dan McFarland and the coaching staff something to work on with the team over the next couple of weeks. You know they'll understand that. Ulster could be vulnerable out wide defensively and you know bigger teams the likes of the Bulls and Leinster coming up they'll exploit that if they believe it's going to be a weakness so it's important that they can get that sorted quickly and you know you're going to concede tries but if they can tighten up their defence around there and we have seen an improvement in Ulster's defence as the seasons went on a lot of us very critical over the new defence coach um, Johnny Bell coming in and things just didn't look the same as last year under Jared Payne but it's certainly improved a lot more as the seasons went on and I think it'll just continue to get better Yeah because you know that especially Leinster they'll have been watching that game uh, with the, the round of 16 coming up so soon and they'll have noticed that and they're probably going to be working on it over the next couple of weeks to try and exploit it so it's the Ulster coaches turn and I say we're going to cover it off and we're also going to have to cover this area now and it's, it's a lot of work that because it was exploited so much in this game um, it's going to take them a while to figure out how they're going to block it because the big teams like you were saying that use their backs are going to exploit playing it out wide and Ulster won't be able to stop you. Important to say as well that Ulster will probably be stronger out wide coming into those big games. Hopefully having the likes of Balakum back who we know is such a strong defender really really well known for his big tackles and being really good defensively. You know him coming in for Moxham um, obviously Moxham quite an inexperienced player hasn't really nailed down a spot either on the bench or starting and I don't think he's been a standout for Ulster on the wing I think Ulster have a lot better wing options at the minute however I did think he had quite a good game against Cardiff but I, th- I just think that bringing in a few players will improve Ulster out wide anyway Yeah but I sort of I see Ben Moxham as more of a centre I think I think he performs better in that role because he doesn't really have the pace for me for the wing um, not the talking down or anything it was good but um, I think that he sits that role better and like you were saying whenever Balakin's back and uh, Little's back I think that that wing defence will improve dramatically but I do still see it as a point of exploitation from other teams yeah definitely and obviously just four minutes after that Owen Lane try Cardiff getting another one on the 66th minute through Summerhill and that was a really well worked try by Cardiff wasn't it near enough the whole length of the pitch yeah I mean it's still the same scenario but I'll give it to them you know it there's a bit of different players, a long pass uh, out to the backs this time and uh, 
another handoff, but he did still have to take on two Ulsterman and just he sent Lori to the shop psych. He just breezed right past them and no one was catching him. He was so fast down that wing and it, it sort of ended up being quite easy for him on that try. But Ulster did not sit down. They came back with going back to again what they're best at and another maul and another try for Tom Stewart. His 10th of the season making him Ulster's top try scorer this year. Um, just more of the same again, Jamie. More of what Ulster's good at. Yeah, it's what you expect from Stewart this year. You know, he's really common in his own, especially with his mauls and um, making sure that he holds the ball and is communicating well to say, you know, stay into this because we'll get it over. And it, it all credit to the coaching staff for making the mauls what they are, um, because they they are the best in the league at set pieces in my opinion, and. I don't think anyone's stopping Stuart whenever you see him hugging on the his players in the mall. He's playing with a lot of confidence at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, I think that the Ireland call-up has really helped him. Sort of, you've seen it whenever he's came back in, and I know he's being subbed on in these because he's going to be a bit tired or whatever, but I think that that Ireland call-up plus the the amount of tries that he is getting this season I think has really boosted his confidence One question Herring or Stuart? I would say Stuart I think that he I think he offers more now I think he's went above Herring personally I think uh, he's better in the mall and not too sure about scrums but sort of I've seen a wee bit of dodgy uh, line outs from Herring a couple yeah, of times Herring, like. it is one thing in Herring's game that I think he's improved quite a lot on recently um, but no I I still would go for Herring any day I, I just think that experience means a lot in term, obviously scoring that massive try last summer against the All Blacks for Ireland to give them the win and you know He's obviously great from the back of them all too. We saw him last year. I mean, it was countless how many scores, how many tries he scored from the back of them all last year. And it's not to take away from Tom Stewart, but I think a lot of it's down to just how well Ulster and Mullen at the moment. And obviously most of his tries coming from there. So either way, I think Ulster are stocked up really well in that position. Yeah, great chat about the Ulster game there, so let's move on and have a look at how the other teams got on in the URC this week. Starting off with Friday night, we had Glasgow against Zebra, a comfortable win for Glasgow, bonus point win, 50 points to 8, nice and easy for them. Next up was the game of the week for both of us, I think, uh, Munster against Scarlets. It finished 49 points to 42. Munster flying out of the blocks and the Scarlets with a massive comeback in the second half. What a great game that was. Um, Moving on to Saturday, we had a South African derby. The Stormers against the Sharks. Stormers continuing their winning streak and winning that one 29 points to 23. Another South African derby as well saw the Bulls play the Lions. 
and the Lions getting an away victory, winning that one 29 points to 25. Handy for Ulster going into next week against the Bulls. Um, we also had Edinburgh playing Leinster in Scotland. Leinster with a comfortable victory there, 47 points to 27. We had the Ospreys against Benetton in a really tight battle. Ospreys just losing that by one point, devastating for them in Swansea. Benetton won that one, 21 points to 20. Uh, another close game as well in Wales, the Dragons against Connaught. Connaught coming out winners of that one, 22 points to 20. And obviously we had the Ulster game finishing 42-20 as well. And just looking at the table quickly, Ulster now just 5 points behind the Stormers. Ulster on 54, the Stormers on 59. Glasgow in behind Ulster at 49. Ulster keeping that gap open with the bonus point win last weekend. Um, let us know if you think Ulster can catch the Stormers and get that second place. We'll put a poll up on our Instagram and see what you think. Jamie, do you think Ulster can catch the Stormers? I think with three games left and arguably the better opposition the to go against, I, I think Ulster will do it. So we are moving on to look at the Six Nations from this weekend. Um, starting off with the Italy one, Italy 17, Wales 29, just as expected really. Um and the massive one at Twickenham. England 10, France 53. <laughs> yeah, you deserve that, England fans, if any of you are watching. Absolute disaster from England. We'll touch on that game. And, of course, the big one, Ireland 22, Fran or Scotland sorry, 7. Massive, massive win for Ireland. Uh, if we if we just touch on the England one first, Jimmy, um, how humiliating for England and what a performance from France! <laughs> I mean, what have we got since the start of this uh, tournament? England, they're gonna win. England, they're the best. Well, they're not. You know, it's a. <laughs> A record was broken in, in Twickenham, so there was uh, the biggest defeat England have ever had in their home ground. Never mind just in the Six Nations, ever. I mean, I I don't know what happened with them, like, just complete collapse. Yeah, and for me, just their, their squad player, their big players not standing up, Owen Farrell. Uh, you look at Maro Atoje, big players who were on the Lions tour. And they just don't look up to it at all. Some of the sort of newer players coming in. I wouldn't say young and inexperienced because most of them aren't. But um, a lot of the players at the moment getting a lot of game time just not good enough. Their one standout player would be the man who got the try, Freddie Stewart. Um, I think he has been the one shining light in a really poor Six Nations display from England overall. And, you know, they'll be a wounded animal trying to come to Dublin next week against Ireland. They'll be looking to prove a point and get a bit of pride back. But for France, I thought just absolutely amazing. 
um, that back row was ever so dangerous with the likes of Olivon and Aldrete in it. The back line as well, uh, we know how dangerous Peno is on the wing for them. Uh, DuPont and Entomac controlling the game really well. Uh, Gael Fiku with a great, great kick for Peno's try. I thought he had a solid game as well. Yeah, just domination from France and, you know, they're they're looking in good shape going into this uh, home World Cup for them this year, aren't they, Jimmy? Yeah, I mean, not only just taking that performance in, but all of their performances throughout the Six Nations, uh, apart from the Italy one, which was a bit of a scare, they've been really strong and fast-moving and just really physical. They play like a team. I think that that's the main thing and you know going in the World Cup where like you were saying they're going to have that home advantage I think that they're going to do some serious damage in it Favourites for the World Cup do you think? No I think still it's it's going to be you know South Africa I think that they're probably still going to be the favourites for it um, or you never know maybe Ireland can do it but I think it's sort of Ireland and South Africa have a tough grip so I think that's sort of going to play into it so maybe France are going to be the favourites by the end of the the group stages Obviously if Ireland can manage to get past the quarterfinals for the first time ever which is a bit crazy Um, and obviously just moving on to the Ireland-Scotland game I mean for me probably Ireland's most impressive performance of the Six Nations especially when you factor in losing so many key players losing both hookers in Dan Sheenan and Ronan Kelleher losing uh, Caelan Doris in the back row Ian Henderson of course which we'll touch on um, as well as that nasty nasty injury for Gary Ringrose as well Do do you think that just shows their squad depth and just how well they're playing at the moment yeah, you know, there's throughout the entirety of the Six Nations, there's been injuries for Ireland, and you see the players coming in, the they replace the first choice, and they're still putting in top performances. You know, not the you know sound like a Ulster's the only way, but uh, whenever Tom Stewart came in, I know he only got the sub on but played really well and strengthened the side where I think other teams haven't had that luxury I think that um, there's not the same pressure maybe for Ireland I think it's it's such a cohesive team that you can interchange and you're not going to lose much quality because there's so much quality on the island at the minute obviously Josh van der Fleer getting named World Men's Rugby Player of the Year this year. Um, he was thrown into the line-out by the end of it because both hookers were injured. Is there anything he can't do? He's a one-man machine at the minute. Um, line-outs weren't too bad either, you know. Maybe it's a, a career change for him. Uh, he can hop in and, and do the job there as well. But, you know, I think he's just... He's shown his versatility and is leadership in a way by sort of hopping into them roles when needed and it's a real testament to not just his skill but also his character yeah and also good to hear that Gary Ringrose is doing okay after what looked like a really serious head injury 
Um, obviously, the medical team's taking uh, no risks, putting him in a neck brace and stretching him off. But it was good to see him giving the thumbs up on the way off just to show he's okay. And we've heard that he's been up and talking and, you know, really good to hear after such a bad injury. Um, in terms of for Ulster, really, really disappointing to see Ian Henderson go off with... with which we've been told is a broken arm, I believe, and he's going to be out for quite a while with uh, surgery coming up for him. How uh, how much of a blow do you think it is for Ulster losing him going into this Leinster game on the first of April? Yeah, it's it's a massive blow, and you know it's not only going to be that um, Leinster game that he's out for. You know, from personal experience, I don't know how bad the break is uh, medically but I broke my leg and I got surgery on it so it was six weeks in cast and then I think it was up the two months physio like lessening each time so you know you're talking at least eight weeks um, before he's probably even getting back to the grounds and maybe up the three months before uh, he's back training at a decent level and that's even before he's getting in the first team training so it's a season ending injury if uh, he has had to go and get the surgery like was being reported um, but it's a massive miss for Ulster because he's not just a player but he's a leader in that team and whenever you know, I think his skill shows how much because Arden typically go for the Leinster pack and for him to constantly break through into it and be one of them starting men continuously um, it shows the nature of how good he is uh, as a player and it's going to be a big miss for Ulster not only just in the round of 16 game but also the crucial league games that are coming up and and the postseason as well. Now moving on to look ahead to the next match for Ulster, taking place on Saturday, the twenty fifth of March, at twenty five to eight in the evening, at the Keenspan. It is Ulster versus the Vodacom Bills. A big game for Ulster. Um, the last of the South Africans that need played, and comes just before the round of 16 game still missing the Ireland players but with a form like Bills where they have one win in the last five well how do you think the game's going to pan out this yeah I think I think it's going to be an Ulster win um, I, they look back on form they look much more confident than they have done and they're certainly playing a lot better than they have recently they're looking for their third win in a row, which um, will give them sort of something to go for. And obviously, <clears throat> massively, they're trying to catch the Stormers in second place. And they know to do that, they're going to realistically have to win these last three games. And it's three home games, and we know how good Ulster are at home, so you would expect them to go on and win all three of those games. If there is one of them you think they may slip up in, you would think it would be this one because it's certainly the toughest game and obviously Ulster are going to be still missing those Irish internationals and a number of players to injury. But 
fingers crossed, I think Ulster will get the win. Whether it's a bonus point or not, I'm not sure. Um, both teams would be quite high scoring. So it could go either way in terms of being a high scoring game or quite a tight one. But yeah, I think Ulster will win. I do think it will be quite a tight game. But I think Ulster will win convincingly and I think they'll get the bonus point. I sort of think the opposite to you. I think Ulster going to go out and smash it. I, you know, the Bills haven't been on form. The, they haven't had the points in their games either, really, the last couple. Um, I, I don't think that they've managed to even get a bonus point in their past however many. Um, where Ulster, it seems to be a bit reinvigorated and... Um, it's going to be a big test for what's to come in the round of 16. So I think that they're going to go out full force, you know, in, in front of the the home fans and put in a really big performance. Not to take that away from the Bulls. They do have a good squad on them and on their day they can do anything. You know, it's, uh, it's just one of them times for them where they haven't been playing well. And, you know, we know ourselves... Earlier on the season, it it wasn't looking good for Ulster, and uh, and then just all of a sudden turned around, and that can happen at the same time with the Bulls. You know they can just find that bit of spark and take down Ulster, but I do see Ulster being comfortable in it, and I agree with you with the bonus point. I think the bonus point is the big necessity. For chasing the Stormers for Ulster. I think without it, it mightn't happen. So you sort of, you need the bonus point in each and every game. And I think Ulster will do that. Yeah, and obviously key with the Stormers still to play Leinster and Munster in their last three games. Um, Quick score prediction from you, Jamie. I know I'm going to go with 36 points to 22 to Ulster. Although I think the game will be a lot tighter than that. I think it'll be a game where Ulster are constantly under pressure. And they'll need to show their class in various areas like they did against Cardiff. In terms of their mall and in the backs to get over the line. I think that it'll probably be a 35. I'm going to say... I don't know for the Bills. It'll be in the teens. I think... Um, I go 35-18 I think it'll be 35-18 on the day but that'll do us for today we hope you enjoyed listening and I'll remind you at the end forgot to do it at the start but we are on Instagram go over and give us a follow over there we'll stick a poll up whenever the episode goes live for your thoughts on on catching the stormers will Ulster do it will they not and get involved over there um, we'll post the lineups we'll post news bit of everything give us a follow on wherever you're listening to podcasts whether it be SoundCloud, Spotify or Amazon Music and we also have our Twitch I don't watch along for the last game the Cardiff game and had a few years in watching along with me uh, just a bit of a chat while we watch the game and you can get involved that way as well as that we 
play Rugby 22, have an Ulster career mode over there. And we also have our TikTok post skits up on there as well, so give us a follow. All handles are at Ravenhill Roundup or for the Instagram at Ravenhill underscore Roundup. So head on over there and give us a follow. And thank you very much for listening to this episode.